All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling, the Growler edition, uh, as we get set, man, to talk about, we're going to talk about football, Jay. We're going to talk about a game that's happening in a couple of days. We are going to talk football specifics. This is, I'm giddy. I watched a game last night. It was interesting. It, it was louder than I thought it would be with how few fans were there. Uh, but it was, it just felt good to, to see real football. You always, you always like that opener because you're so used to watching preseason games that, that don't matter and, and people, players that are never going to play in the league again. Um, so that, that opener is always kind of special anyhow, but it, especially so last night with no preseason game at all. I mean, we hadn't seen real NFL football since the Super Bowl. So, uh, I, I made it a point to sit there and watch that entire game. Yeah, I did too. Uh, and it, and it's, there's lots of reasons to celebrate this week. Football's here, but also we crossed a million subscribers here at The Athletic. It is awesome. I, I'm, I'm just like so proud uh, to be here. It's cool to see all the growth that's happening. But so you don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage that we have during this whole season. You can subscribe. Now, we got a million subscribers. So guess what we're doing? If you go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We got a million subscribers, $1 a month. If you're not a subscriber, now's the time to do it. It's the perfect time. Football's starting. You want to see what we're going to be writing all year long covering this team. Uh, so again, go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling and receive all access subscription, just $1 a month. Hope to see you there. Um, for now though, let's talk a little bit about, uh, what we're going to be writing about this weekend. And that is Bengals chargers. We have uh, a little bit later on, we're going to bring in our colleague. Really the best part of the athletic is that every team we play everywhere we go, every sport you're interested in hearing about, we have like the ultimate insider. So we have Daniel Popper, who is just an absolutely destroyer on the chargers beat, um, has so much great stuff for us over there. So uh, Jay, you talked to Daniel Popper earlier uh, this week, uh, previewing where the chargers are at. So going to have that for you here. Um, in a little bit, any, any teaser for anybody off that conversation? Uh, yeah, I was interested about how often we're actually going to see Bosa one-on-one against Jonah. Um, and, and he kind of let us know they they've got a little bit of a, a new mindset over there about how they line Joey Bosa up. Really interesting. Do they just line him up in front of the bank? Right. Exactly. It was like we that really, scene we, last we, night. Yeah. I mean, with, with you know, we don't really put and... him in a place. We just we just kind of if you're looking for him, he's the one sitting on the giant pile of money, you know, ducktail style. Just Although swimming. Ingram got his as well. Yeah. They, they I mean, you know what those guys earned it and that's going to be to me the interesting most interesting part of this game. So we'll, we'll get into that in a second. We want to talk a little bit about uh Captain Joe. Uh, Joe Burrow, the rookie captain of the Bengals that the, honestly, the fact that it was not a surprise might be the most telling part of how ridiculous this is, um, what he was able to accomplish sort of from a leadership perspective and a getting everybody behind him perspective, um, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, we have sort of an AJ Green updates, uh, surprise injury this week that's popped up on both sides of the Chargers and the Bengals. So uh, let's 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 start by um, 
diving a little bit into uh, cap. So seven captains. I wrote about this. Um, you end up with three of the seven captains. Normally, normally we don't spend a lot of time talking about captains. Like, I don't know. Guys are captains, you know. But they, we have just we are hammered with how important culture and leadership and all this stuff is to them and trying to change the culture and find their leaders. They need voices that everyone can believe that's going to do all the right things. They need more guys doing all the right things and bringing everybody along with them, which is why I found it notable of the seven captains they chose, three of them were not here last year for the 2-14 and 14 debacle. And a team that spent an offseason seeking new leaders – and a, a harder shift on this culture change may have found it if the people that are in this building are buying into the new voices that just walked into this building for the first time a little more than a month ago. Um, Josh Bynes and Von Bell on defense. Joe Burrow, of course, uh, on on offense are the newbies. And then you have uh, A.J. Green, uh, Sean Williams, uh, Giovanni Bernard, who's basically your special teams uh, guy and who am I forgetting? Jim? Huber and Kevin Huber. First, first time for Kevin, I think. Yeah. Um, also, as your your special teams guy, Are we do we make too much of that? Are we making too much of that? Does it matter? Um, I think I think something should be made of the the borough part because y- you don't see that. I there's no database to go to to look up cap rookie captain stats but i i went to nexus and searched newspaper articles and all i could really find was um rg3 being named a game captain in in november of his rookie year and mike shanahan talking about how he had never seen a rookie quarterback even be a game captain in his 19 years um as a coach so I, I do. It's not surprising, but it is significant with Burrow. I was surprised. That was the first when the when the Bengals tweeted that out. The Burrow thing is like, yeah, that's I, I figured that. What what caught me right away was Josh Bynes and Von Bell, and not that they're not deserving, but it, the bigger surprise is who's not on that list because I really thought Sam Hubbard was poised to, to be a captain this year just based on his play and the respect he has in that locker room. So that really does speak volumes with with. Uh, Bynes and Bell being here for such a short time and, and being named captains. And we, 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 it's not surprising because when we talk to Josh Bynes on Zooms, it's like that guy, he's just got that, that something about him, kind of like Zach Taylor, where you, you can see how he relates to people and you can see how people want to follow him. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I was, I, I thought Sam Hubbard was going to, was destined to be a captain this year and was a little surprised he was not on there. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a little bit of just seniority in that, you mm-hmm. know, with Bell's been around longer. And, you know, I, I also players, I think with, they are always, when guys get paid, I think they tend to pay more attention. And when you, you know, Sam Hubbard's still on his rookie contract, maybe after he gets his extension here, probably next year, we'll see him end up in, in that position. But he's all, he's also a tough, you know, I don't know. I don't want to break down captain votes. This is it's all player vote, and players had to pick. If you were on offense, you pick two offensive player and one special teams player. If you were on defense, you pick two defensive players and one special teams player. That's how you come to this. You know, on defense, you're picking Sam Hubbard and not picking Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, um, guys who have serious seniority over him, guys who are not captains this year. You know, there's a 
maybe a split the vote factor there. Um, and there's, there's, you know, obviously Bynes is the clear leader they desperately need in that linebacker room. And, and Bell, I think, just has a way about him who's apparently like calling the DBs up at like 6 a.m. to make sure that they're up and going. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> don't do that to me, Jay. Uh, you don't, well, you don't have to worry. I'm already up, but maybe I'll start doing it to you. <laughs> he's not just calling him. He's trying to get him into the way he's trying to get him a lift. He wants him to do their, their morning lift. And a lot of these Definitely guys prefer to lift that after to practice. Me. There's no working out. I'm doing uh, uh, that early. So that's the, the burrow thing is, is remarkable. It, it really is. You know, if you go back, I mean, you just can't, you just don't see that. And I've got, I went back through the Bengals, you know, even going back to Oh nine, 10. I mean, you had 2010, Bobby Williams was voted a captain over wit. I mean, you had Witt, the leader's leader of all time, who was a captain like the previous year. Uh, you know, who who? Th- there's no guarantees in that type of stuff, and and like, you know, it goes back to the conversation we had of him being the one speaking in the free in front of the Freedom Center. There's just something that you know, Mackenzie Alexander. We had him on the on the Zoom this week talking about how much he loves that guy and was tweeting all about it. And there was multiple people. Clearly these important conversations are happening in that locker room. And it, it's, I think it has maybe hit the accelerator even on Burrow's ability to kind of get everybody behind him. Inevitably, and Joe will tell you this and says said this to us, all of that means diddly if he can't play on Sunday. If he doesn't play well, if he doesn't play well this year, um, nobody cares as much about that stuff that stuff means less he needs to go play well which brings us to this game a little bit um how do you think joe burrow will play i mean it's it's hard not to think he's gonna do well um i don't think he's gonna light the world on fire i think he's gonna he's gonna be pressured quite a bit i i can't see this offensive line totally blanking that Chargers defensive line, but I, I don't think it's going to be a welcome to the NFL moment for him. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a Sam Darnold moment where his first NFL pass is a pick six. Um, but I, I do think he's going to, he's going to take some shots. Um, he, he's, I, I, I would be surprised if he gets through the game without at least one interception. But, um, I, I think, I think it's going to be a close game and, I, I think there's going to be enough positive to come out of it where everybody can kind of exhale. And, and it's it's this big unknown right now. As, as much as everybody wants to believe in Joe Burrow, you you really need to see him go out there and do it. And uh, I, I don't think it's – like I said, it's not going to be this great performance. I also don't think it's going to be uh, an uh-oh performance. I, I think it's going to be kind of middling. I'll say he's in the you know maybe 220 to 230 range passing and two touchdowns, two interceptions. Is he more likely to have an A plus game or a D minus game? I'd say A plus. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't see the the D minus happening. He's he, from all we've heard. He is he is too familiar with this game plan right now that that he's not going to be deer in the headlights when he gets pressure right away and and he he needs to to get find the the check down or if they don't bring pressure he's going to be able to go through his progressions quickly and and get to that second that third guy so i 
I think if 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 you're going to go one way or the other, if it's going to be one extreme or the other, I would put my money on A+. I would tend to agree, and especially, you know, if D- minus makes you think, yeah, deer in the headlights, the stage feels too big for them, nerves, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think the stage is going to be too big for Joe Burrow, nor our nerves, um, if there's one thing that we have learned about him. And anybody learned about him last year, that's not going to be the factor. Now, on a, trying to maneuver a pocket for the first time in the NFL in front of this line uh, certainly will be, I think, the determining factor in this game and inevitably. But um, I think that any you know total dud would be a, a stunner just for the fact that you know I I don't think it's going to be a factor of. It's definitely not going to be a fact of the stage being too big for him. Um, you've got some uh, stats on debuts, right? I do. Yes. Let's let's hear them. Okay. This these are these are NFL debuts for quarterbacks, so it's it's not necessarily rookies. It could be you know like a Carson Palmer that said his his rookie year, but this these these numbers are from pro football reference and it's the first ever appearance by a quarterback and so this is some of these you would think maybe Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow has a chance to to get in the top 5 with now i didn't go obviously touchdown passes there's just this big log there but the record is 4 and uh, it was it was first set in 1966. I bet you can't name the quarterback that set it in 1966. I've never even heard of the guy. Well, then I probably haven't. If you haven't, then I haven't. His name is Steve Tensey, and he played for the Chargers. How about uh, that? It, it was most recently tied uh, in 2015 by Marcus Mariota. Um, yes. So that that's that's the record there. Four touchdown passes in terms of yards. We have heard of the record holder in this category. It's 422 set in 2011. Uh, Set in 2011 by Cam Newton. Exactly. Uh, Second on that list is a guy that nobody's heard of uh, because it was in a 1987 replacement player game (laughs) during the strike. His (laughs) his name's Ed Rubbert, uh, 334 yards, but second on the, the real player list there, RG3, 320 in 2012. And then uh, old friend Ryan Fitzpatrick is third with 310. Uh, did that? Uh, that was an overtime game, so he had a he had a few extra snaps to get extra yards. Um, in terms of completions, the record is Sam Bradford with 32 uh, in 2010, and second on that list is Kyler Murray uh, last year with 29. Again, that was an overtime game. He he had some extra time to get those completions. Um, if if Burrow can complete twenty four passes, he would tie Cam Newton for fifth place on that that list. The the four TDs is certainly interesting um, when you talk about uh, what you you know what that would look like. I mean, there's been you know I, I kind of I had I took a look at some of those as well. I mean, if if he comes out and, and drops the you know the perfect pat the the Mariota perfect passer rating, four touchdowns. People are going to be crowning him. But the thing is, and it's important to remember. I mean, I, when you look at the last ten years and the four best debuts by passer rating, um, Mariota, Griffin, Ryan, Darnold. Okay, Matt Ryan, real deal. The other guys all 
either generally bus or un, unproven in Darnold's case means it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like it means, okay, good start is what it means. Although I specifically remember watching Carson Palmer's. This was before, I mean, I was, you know, I was at my first job. I was living in rural Arkansas and I had driven 25 minutes and bought a, you had to like join a club because it was dry counties everywhere. So they had like clubs that you joined. And I had to join this club in order to go sit and drink, have a drink and watch football on a Sunday afternoon in Arkansas. I had just moved there. And it was Carson Palmer's debut in 2004. And I remember like trying to get the Bengals game on some tiny old TV in the corner of this club uh, where there was like three people in there. It was the darkest place I've ever been. I mean, it was just, there was, it's like they didn't even want there to be windows. And, <laughs> and watching it and being like, even on this tiny screen across this dark, damp club bar, I can tell that Carson Palmer's looking really good. Like, I'm, I'm, but you just, because you've never seen it, because you don't know what to expect, there's almost like, a shock value when you see it for the first time in a game. And I remember thinking, man, they're in, I think they're in good hands. He looks better than I thought he would immediately. Even though he had a year, even though if you read what he was seen preseason, whatever, it just, there's something to it. And I think that it's, it's much more less about to me about the numbers and much more about the look and feel of it. It's much more about the eye test. I think today of, and that's the stuff that guys, whether it be coaches, whether it be players, have been really raving about Burrow, has been just the eye test of just having control over everything and and not being afraid of big moments and and kind of going after it and you know fearlessness that type of stuff. I think is what you're looking for, and it's what they feel like they've seen thus far, and we'll see what it looks like on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, as good as Carson Palmer's debut was, it had a chance to be spectacular because he he they took over down seven. Uh, at their own five yard line, and he had him at midfield at the two minute warning, and then the the first pass he threw after the two minute warning got picked off. They had they had played zone coverage pretty much all day, and they they snuck some man in on him, and he he just didn't see a guy, and threw the pick. Um, I I have a story up this morning. I, I ranked all the NFL debuts in Bengals history, and Carson Palmer comes in at number six on that list. He was eighteen of twenty six for two hundred forty eight yards two touchdowns, and then that game-ending interception. These are all players. These are not just quarterbacks on the ranking list. Um, it, it won't take much for Joe Burrow to to get on that top 10 list after Sunday. There's it, there, there has not really been anybody that is wowed in his NFL debut in Bengals history. I remember being impressed by how good Andy Dalton looked in his debut. Now he got in and he got hurt. But he and the, when he came out, he looked great. He was 10 of 15, 81 yards in the touchdown and a passer rating of over 100. And he, he, he had the one touchdown looked really good. And we we're like, oh, man, wow, the Bengals look good. Dalton looks good. And, because everyone had pricked him to go 0-16 oh, that year. And then eventually Bruce Gradkowski comes in and throws the game winner on a hurry, hurry play to AJ Green, which he was, AJ was recalling to us uh, on the zoom this week. Um, and then Dalton went on to play uh, the rest of the games that season, had a great rookie year and they made the playoffs. The Bengals would certainly take something like that. All right. I want to take a quick break here. Now that football season is upon us. We're talking about our partners at Manscaped because they've partnered with us to make sure that you don't gamble on shaving the same way you gamble on football. 
You heard about the Lawn Mower 3.0? It's the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology. Your nicks and snags will be reduced. It's important. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarterback. And I'll see what they did there. Just released the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved lawnmower, performance boxer briefs, travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining, and some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preservers are an anti-chafing ball deodorant. Mm. For limited time, subscribers get... Not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. Uh, I mentioned AJ Green. It, it, uh, we should update where he's at. We talked to him this week. Full practice, not even on the injury report for both of the first two days of practice this week, which is a fantastic sign. You know, you worried if you would see him. Okay, he w- he was healthy and going, but they still limited him this week. No limits. All AJ out there. Basically, admit the same thing that we've been talking about with AJ as far as what he's going to look like on Sunday. He feels great. Body feels great. Hamstring's not an issue. It's going to be a matter of wind because he hasn't had the f- month of full practices, full football shape to get into. So, And honestly, well, it's kind of what a lot of receivers go through, particularly in the openers. I mean, you know, r- you run deep a couple of times and it's tapping the helmet and I'll be back in a couple of plays. I think we'll see that. What do you uh, – we were going to do a growler about this, We, you know, but we'll, let's just let's just discuss it. What do you think AJ's snap percentage will end up in this game? Um, yeah, I, I Zach said he thinks fifty-five is a lot of snaps for a receiver in the in the opener. I went back and looked, and the Bengals average sixty-nine offensive plays per game, so fifty-five of sixty-nine would be about eighty percent. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tick higher than that, and and I go back to two thousand fifteen when. When Vontez Burfik was ridiculously out of shape, and he he started the season on that six game suspension, and they were talking about the the pitch count, how he was only going to play a little bit in, in his first game back against Pittsburgh, and he played damn near the whole game. He was playing so well, he didn't want to come out. They didn't want to take him out. Um, I, if this game is close, I could see them giving AJ some blows early. But if this game is close, uh, he's not coming off the field in the fourth quarter, and. Um, I, I think I think it's going to be a little a, a tick higher. I, I bet he's in that eighty five percent range. Yeah, and you know you and especially in the first half, you know something where you're where you might you know a running play or you're thinking you might run. Auden Tate can be in there. You know who's a who's a bigger guy who you'd rather have blocking anyway, where you can you can spell AJ in ways or Higgins or whatever. Um, you know, find find ways to spell early on, and then when in, but in your most high leverage situations, obviously you're gonna you're gonna want AJ out there, um, and and see how that goes. You know, the key is, <laughs> will he stay healthy and play through the entire game? I, you know, I'm with you. I I think he'll be somewhere in the in the 50 play range, um, you know, high 40s maybe. So whatever that percentage would end up, I'll, I'll say I'll say 74. percent You know, I mean, I I just think you. He's going to take some plays off. He's going to need some breaks. They're going to have some designed breaks for him. But for the most part, when push comes to shove and this game starts getting – if it's close, 
in particular, I think you'll see AJ not wanting to come out and it looking like most games, even if he is a little tired. Um, let's. Uh, what do you think is the what's the decider here? What's the uh, what's the key here in this game? Uh, well, kind of going back, like I, I think we have a, a decent baseline of what to expect with Joe Burrow. It's going to come down to the the Bengals defense. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is not an all-world quarterback, but he he can give defenses trouble with with the way he can run. Um, Austin Eckler, I, I, you'll hear this in the conversation with Daniel Popper. He is kind of in that Christian McCaffrey mode where they'll line him up at receiver quite a bit, especially with Mike Williams out and all the other after Keenan Allen, the rest of that wide receiver core has a career, a combined career, two receptions. They just, they are really thin at wide receiver. So Austin Eckler is going to be running through the middle of the field where the Bengals have been susceptible for years. This is going to be a big test for the, the rookie linebackers. Uh, maybe Jermaine Pratt gets on, Pratt gets on him a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a lot of Logan Wilson chasing Austin Eckler around. So I think the, the key to this game is, is how well the, the Bengals defense can hold up against that Chargers offense, which, which isn't a juggernaut, but if, if they get in the, the 23-24 point range, I think that's going to be enough for the Chargers to win. Tyrod Taylor, his ability to use both his legs and throw it is is taxing on linebackers. Austin Eckler and his ability to run out of the backfield is taxing on linebackers. Hunter Henry, as a tight end, is taxing on linebackers. This Chargers offense is built to exploit Poor linebacker play. Jay, uh, what do the Bengals have on defense? They have questions at linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> they Plenty have questions at linebacker. I mean, they Josh Bynes, who was the one you know veteran supplement who we talked about as a captain and everything, is not designed to be covering Hunter Henry up the seam. Is not designed to be chasing Austin Eckler out in space. He is a more of a run-stopping linebacker that you want in there when you're playing Tennessee and taking on Derrick Henry or, or or one of these types of teams. Not necessarily this this style. So you're right. You are turning to, we spend all our time talking about the debut of Jonah Williams and the debut of Joe Burrow and the return of A.J. Green. How about the debut of Logan Wilson and the debut of maybe Akeem Davis Gaither, whoever they're shoving out there at linebacker? Is Jordan Evans going to play? You know what I mean? That is going to be the key to this game defensively is going to be can they find a way to skip deals? I'm not concerned with Tyrod Taylor tearing them up to the receivers and down the field. I I like William Jackson. I I like the Mackenzie Alexander's matchup uh, with Keenan Allen running out of the slot. You know, I mean, as much as you can like anyone against Keenan Allen, but I at least you have a guy who's proven and done it in there. You worry about the ability of the running backs and the tight end to just destroy them. And that's going to be the case all year. And it's certainly the case against a team that is built like this. The second side of this is, can the Bengals put up enough points? Can they make Joe Burrow comfortable in the pocket with Bosa and Ingram and this defensive line going up against this, whatever this Bengals offensive line is going to look like? Jonah Williams, Michael, I mean, these guys, 
These are guys that some of them had rough go of it last year. Jonah Williams in his debut. And they're going to go up against one of the best defensive lines and best pass rushes in football. Can Joe Burrow get comfortable? Can they allow him to get comfortable back there long enough? To me, those two things will decide this game. If the Bengals can be adequate, maybe even if they could just be below average at those two things, I think they win. I do. They can't be awful. It can't be totally exploited liability. Um, And that's my concern. Do you yeah, have a prediction? Well, I do have a prediction. I, it, I'm predicting the Chargers to win 24-21. If the Bengals win, I have a dark horse MVP of the game. And the, we, we still don't know what's up with Geno Atkins. He's missed two, two official days of practice with the shoulder injury. He wasn't practicing much before this, and we, we thought it was kind of a, a rest. Um, it does doesn't look good for him, though. I no. Mean, no, does not look good for him playing Sunday. And if he doesn't go, then that that three technique, I mean, it's a lot to ask Christian Covington to step in there, having just got here. Um, a guy that we were all impressed with in camp, Andrew Brown, he could he could be a, a surprise factor in this game, especially with with Mike Pouncey questionable um, for the Chargers. Uh, they're susceptible in the in the middle of their offensive line. You got to figure if Geno's out, DJ Reader's going to be getting a lot of double teams. I, I think Andrew Brown could be a surprising difference maker in this game. But I, I do I think the Chargers figure out a way, uh, score just enough points to hold off the Bengals um, 24-21. Yeah, I have twenty three sixteen Chargers, and you know I think it goes back to those two factors I pointed to. I don't think Burrow will look bad. Uh, our Bengals growler bet this week will be on Joe Burrow passer rating. So hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Bengals growler bet, um, or you can send me an email uh, to pdaner at theathletic.com. If you're not a Twitterer, Twitterer, and if you're not, congratulations. What's it like? How happy are you? <laughs> <laughs> you you have to feel better about life in general than I have to when I go on to Twitter every day. Um, but so that's our Bengals growler bet. Of course, if you hit it on the nose, this will include one decimal point. Sorry, folks. We can't just be giving out tons of growlers on week one. Uh, if you hit it right, if you hit this right on the nose, I'll tell you what, if you hit to the one decimal point on the nose, two growlers. Whoa. I'm up at it. Two growlers. And if I could, if you live in the Cincinnati area, I will personally drop them off on your porch. <laughs> what, does Hamilton count as the no, Cincinnati area? No, I don't. I, I can't go to Hamilton. Oh. I don't want to ever be in Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> um, so, what do you got, Jay? Uh, well, first, I'm going to point out that I won last week's growler bet. Uh, we we did a combined years of experience. Nobody won this. We no decimal point last year, and nobody on Twitter won. Uh, we did combined years of experience by the 16 practice squad players. You went 30, I went 29, uh, and it ended up 25. 25. So they did not, there was not as much veteran holdover as I thought there might be. I would no. Brandon Allen was the most with four years of experience. So that's that's how it ended up so low. Uh, we had to wait a while because they they waited uh, what three extra days to add the final two players. Um, but for this week's, um, I'm going to go just cause it looks pretty to write it down. 88.8. Mm. 
That's pretty good. I I've had um I don't know if I've officially said it out. I'm gonna put him right on the number that I predicted for the season, which I believe was ninety two point three was my season long prediction. So I'll start there in week one. Um although I probably should start low. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I think he'll. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be solid. Um, I think there'll be a pick or two. I think there'll be a couple sacks that you wish he didn't take. Um, but I also think what I here's what I want to see. Um, I want to see the Bengals down a score and Burrow gets the ball with under two minutes left. That's what I want to see. That's what we did see in camp in the scrimmages. And that was when Burrow looked his best. <laughs> and that was when Burrow kind of, I think, won a lot of people over on the field on this team and in this coaching staff was those moments and his handle of those moments and his fearlessness in those moments. That's what I want to see. I want to see what it looks like Joe Burrow trying to take the Bengals down against a, a very, very good Chargers defense to go win a game in the opener. And if he does it, Statue erected before the next home game, right? <laughs> the ba- I gotta say this: the Bengals, as a organization, and as you should, as you should, it's what they've got right now. You play the hand you're dealt, and currently they're holding a Bauer, right? And his name's Joe Burrow. They are leaning in so hard on Joe Burrow right now, organizationally. I mean, every every single meaningful piece of social, everything, whether it's commercials, whether it's like, you name it, everything is based around this guy. I mean, it is unreal. He's front and center in everything that they are doing, and they are leaning all the way in. He better be good. <laughs> you better be good. And the, just the excitement level is so high, but things can go sideways in a hurry. Remember when people were excited about the Reds? Oh, yeah. The good old days. Things change fast. Things change Jeez. fast. So just remember that. And, uh, you know, Burrow goes up, lives up to the hype. Everybody's excited. The lean in looks great. The lean in pays off triple. Uh, if it doesn't go well. You're, you know, it's like when you lean against, you're leaning against something and then it turns out it wasn't as stable as you thought it was and you just fall over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Um, let's take a chance here to, let's bring in your interview. Uh, let's bring in your interview with Daniel Popper, our colleague who covers the Chargers out in LA, does an incredible job. And this is, this is just great insight into where the Chargers are at and what to expect for Sunday's game, and uh, we'll come back and we'll, we'll wrap it up after this. Here's Jay's conversation with Daniel Palmer. All right, before we move on, let's take one more quick break to hear from our sponsors. All right, one quick break in football talk because I want to talk about erectile dysfunction, which isn't always easy. Usually we just brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or avoid it altogether with excuses like, sorry, not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. Simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash here, H-E-A-R's, and hear that podcast growling, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. So go to get 
roman.com slash here today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash here. All right, we're going to head out to Los Angeles right now to talk to Daniel Popper, who covers the Chargers for The Athletic. Uh, Daniel, how you doing today? Not too bad. Thanks for having me on, Jay. Yeah, glad to talk to you. Curious, uh, with Hard Knocks this year, did you get any cameos? Have you seen yourself on screen yet? Well, yeah. So they, when they, whenever they they take a piece from Lynn's press conference, Andy Lynn's press conference, they do like a wide shot of all the Zoom, all the reporters on Zoom. So I got my my one and a half seconds of fame, and uh, no one noticed. Though I had to, I had to tell people, I was like, "Hey, look, I'm right there." They're like, "Oh, wow, that was such a fleeting moment that would none of none of us even realized you were on there." <laughs> but I'll take it. Can you take a picture of the screen and send it to your parents or anything? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> none of them, none of them noticed in the moment because it was so brief. Though. <laughs> well, speaking of hard knocks, how how is it's funny because um, th- this week uh, linebacker Josh Bynes kind of gave a funny reaction when I asked him about whether they actually use hard knocks to try to glean anything since they they don't have preseason tape to go off of, and, and Zach Taylor said, "Absolutely, we're looking for any advantage we can get." Um, how leery is Anthony Lynn been about? what gets shown and, and, and just the whole hard knocks process. Well, I, I think across the league, everyone's been very leery. Um, you know, I mean, typically, you know, pro scouts are on the road during the preseason, you know, scouting future opponents for that season, seeing if there's any tweaks to the offenses, the defenses, the schemes, personnel, all that kind of stuff. There are no pro scouts on the road right now. So GMs have all sort of taken their pro scouts and said, all right, get on Twitter <laughs> and look at team accounts, look at beat reporter accounts, and try and glean whatever you can. So I think teams across the league have been, you know, very restrictive and, and very on sort of what reporters are putting out there. I know I've had my, my battles with the Chargers PR staff. Um, but ultimately, like, the teams have final control over what's put in there. Um, so there's nothing that's in the episode that would take Anthony Lynn or, or general manager Tom Glesko by surprise. Um, and, you know, from, from what I've seen on there, a lot of the, the shots are very tight. You know, it's like a receiver and a cornerback. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, like a shocking development that, you know, Mike Williams is running a go route and they're throwing it to him in double coverage. <laughs> you know, that's something you could have, that's something you could have gleaned off last year's tape. You know, it's not, it's nothing new. Um, so, but, but, you know, every little detail counts right now. And I think every team is, is sort of focusing on that. You know, one little piece of information that you find buried in some notebook you know, could give you the edge. And as we know, the, the margin for error and the margin between winning and losing this league is so, so small that something like that could actually make a difference, which is hard to wrap your mind around. Right. Uh, for, for people that didn't or aren't watching Hard Knocks, um, how close did Justin Herbert, who is a guy that the, the Bengals staff knows very well after coaching him at the Senior Bowl, um, how close did he come out to come to beating out Tyrod Taylor for this starting quarterback job? Yeah, it was ne- it was never a possibility. I mean, I knew as, as, soon, as soon as they canceled OTAs and minicamp, I immediately was of the opinion that Tyrod Taylor would start all 16 games, barring something unforeseen, like a you know positive COVID test, an injury, or like if the Chargers are like three and nine heading into the final four games of the season and well out of the playoff race, and then you're just sort of throwing Herbert in there to see what he has in games that don't mean as much. Um, but they're going to be extra, extra, extra patient with this guy. Um, for two reasons. One, what I previously mentioned, the missed time has just set him back. And two, I mean, you're talking about a player who took one under center snap his entire college career, and it was a QB sneak at the goal line. 
Otherwise, he was in shotgun for every single play. Um, so he has to adjust to getting under center. He has to adjust the cadences. Oregon used to, you know, snap the ball with a clap. So he wasn't calling, you know, green 80, green 80. Like he wasn't doing that. It was all clap. So this is stuff that you don't really think about when, when, when you think about the quarterback position in the NFL because these guys all play it at such a high level. But for a guy that didn't do any of this in college, it takes time. It takes reps. And typically you start that process in OTAs and minicamp in May and June and even in April when you can get on the field and start running around. Um, you know, all that stuff was happening on Zoom. So he didn't really get any physical reps on the field with center Mike Pouncey and, and at the line of scrimmage, you know, until August when these guys finally got to get on the field. So they're going to be extra patient with him. This was sort of the plan all along. They have Tyra Taylor under contract. They believe they can win games with him. Uh, Lynn was obviously his offensive coordinator in Buffalo in 2016, you know, which is the last time that he really got a chance to start unless you can you include Cleveland when he got bounced out in, in week three for Baker Mayfield. Um, so they're going to, they're going to take a patient with Justin Herbert and, and they believe they can win with, with Taylor because of this defense. And he's a guy that, that protects the football, which is something Lynn really wants to do. Um, so I, yeah, it was, it was never really a competition. Taylor's been the starter since pretty much they drafted Herbert in April. And not an ideal situation for Taylor. I, I think one of the, the biggest non-contract pieces of news to come out of Chargers camp has, has been the injury to Mike Williams. Um, if, if I if I added this upright, which is this isn't great math, but I believe the other receivers, wide receivers on the team, have a combined two NFL catches. So uh, how do you see that playing out? Who, who are the guys that are going to try to take some of the pressure off Keenan Allen? Yeah, I mean. It, the Mike Williams injury is a huge one just because as you alluded to, I mean, they just have no experience behind them. They got two rookies and, and Joe Reed and KJ Hill. And, you know, the guy who's going to step up into that number two role is Jalen Guyton, who's been mostly a practice squad guy, you know, has all the physical tools, uh, you know, runs a four, three, five big body, um, but has struggled with drops and isn't very consistent, um, you know, as in terms of his hands and also in terms of his run blocking. Um, so it's, it's, it's sort of a mystery how they're going to replace the production. Um, but the one thing to remember here is that, uh, you know, Austin Eckler is labeled a running back, but he really plays both running back and wide receiver in this scheme and in this offense. He lines up on the outside. He lines up in the slot. So, you know, with, if Williams ends up missing games, which I expect, you know, Austin Eckler could sort of, you know, be a wide receiver 60 to 65% of the time as opposed to maybe 40% of the time if Mike Williams is on the field. He can, he can really be a second wide receiver. He's that good. He's that polished as a route runner. Um, and he's just that productive in terms of catching the ball. Um, so that, that would be where, where they probably will turn for the production. Um, you know, but they do have K.J. Hill. K.J. Hill came in very polished. Um, and obviously he was a very productive guy at Ohio State. The, the, you know, he has the most receptions in the history of that program. Um, and so, you know, he's a guy that could potentially fit into the slot. You know, the beauty of having Keenan Allen, who they just paid, um, is that he can really play inside and outside. So they could hypothetically, you know, move Keenan to the outside and then bring KJ Hill in as a slot guy. Um, so they do have some options there. Um, but I would really think that, that Austin Eckler's sort of role in the passing game will be much bigger without Mike Williams in there. Uh, flipping over to the defensive side, uh, how is former Bengal Nick Vigil looking at, at linebacker? He's actually looked good. Um, he, you know, he's been working mostly with the second team, and they really brought him in as sort of a, a depth linebacker. He's probably fifth on the depth chart right now, um, and he's been playing Mike and Will, and 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 they really view him more as like a special teams piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's had a he had a pick in practice. You know, he he's definitely, uh, you know. 
serviceable in terms of his in terms of his coverage skills. Um, obviously, it's hard to read exactly how good a linebacker is against the run when they're not really hitting. We haven't seen any preseason games, um, and they really you know they had one scrimmage practice where they were like you know maybe 75 percent. You know they weren't fully tackling, so it's hard to get a full read on sort of where he is as a run defender. Um, but in terms of what they have as linebacker, at linebacker, he's not going to have to be a starter. He's not going to have to be a major contributor. You know, if he can be solid on special teams and, you know, provide that depth at linebacker at will, um, and at Mike and that positional flexibility, then he's, he's a fine piece for this team. The big name on defense, Joey Bosa. Um, it's interesting because there's, there's a lot of talk in Cincinnati about rookie or not rookie, but Jonah Williams, last year's first round pick, making his his first ever NFL appearance going against this guy in Joey Bosa. But I was looking at the, the snap counts, and it looks like the Chargers line him up on the left side just as more, much as they do the right side. Uh, just curious, what what's that rotation like? Do they do they flip-flop him within games? Is it series by series? Is it game by game? Do they just look for matchups on, on the offensive line? Uh, how, how do they you know, work with him and Ingram on the edges? Yeah, so, so the way Gus Bradley's scheme works is they have sort of a, two set positions in terms of defensive ends. One of them they call big end, uh, which typically lines up on the left side, and then um, the other one is called Leo, which is more of like a pass rushing spot. And that's where Melvin Ingram plays. Joey Bosa plays big end. Um, so they're, really, they're, they're two different positions. Um, you know, like on third downs, the Leo spot with Melvin Ingram, he'll move, he'll, he'll rush from a standing position on, you know, third and five or, or longer. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll try and, you know, rush from a standing position on the interior to get a one-on-one matchup with the guard. Cause that's something, it's something he can win every single time. Um, and so Joey Bosa, you know, the, the big end is effectively the strong side defensive end. So he's lining up over the tight end. Um, and the reason that they're so excited about Joey Bosa is because he's really bought into doing a lot of the dirty work that you need to do at that position. Um, you're taking on double teams between the tackle and tight end. And it's a lot more run fitting. You're not, you know, maybe getting the kind of opportunities that you would get at the other defensive end spot when you're, you know, your priority is getting after the quarterback. Um, and so that's really how that, how it, how it sort of works out there. You know, Ingram's at the top of the depth chart at Leo. Joy Bose is at the top of the depth chart at big end. And then they have some depth behind them. And Chenna Nuosu uh, is sort of the backup at Leo, a guy that has some pass rushing potential, but hasn't really played enough snaps to, uh, to really, you know, have that sack production. Um, but I think he's a guy they could potentially use as a replacement for Melvin Ingram, who's on the final year of his deal. Um, and then at big end, it's, it's Joey Bosa. And then they have a couple pieces that they can rotate in. Uh, last year's first round pick, Jerry Tillery, has been getting some work at that spot. Damian Square is more of an interior defensive lineman, but he's such a cerebral player that he can, he can man that big end spot in a pinch and in a rotational role. Um, and then Isaac Rochelle is a guy who also plays both spots. Um, he's better as a Leo just because it's less on his plate in terms of, you know, reading run pass and keys and all the various, you know, variables that go into, to, you know, making quick decisions at that spot after the ball is snapped. All right. Um, the last question I have for you here, just, you know, there's so much uncertainty with everything from COVID, no preseason games. Uh, I think a lot of players, coaches, fans, everybody's wondering what's going to happen, what this week one game is going to look like. Uh, what in your mind is, is the biggest question about what you're going to see from the Chargers on Sunday? Well, you know, the biggest storyline at camp was Derwin James suffering another season, you know, this is a season-ending injury. Last year he was out for 11 games, but another training camp injury that's going to leave him out for an extended period of time. Uh, you're talking about one of the best young players in football. A lot of people think he's the best safety in football, uh, but he has a torn meniscus. He had surgery and he's out for the season. 
Um, and, and after the season's over, he's going to have missed 27 of 32 games over his last two years as he's sort of moving towards a potential contract extension as he gets towards the end of his, of his rookie deal. And, and so it's sort of, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see how they're going to replace him. You know, they have a lot of these positionless players in the secondary. You know, Desmond King is a guy who can play every position in the secondary, whether it's nickel, dime. He can play outside corner. He can play both safety spots. You know, how he, how is, how is he going to fit in with their run out? They used a second round pick on Nasir Adderley last year who sort of, you know, was known during the pre-draft process as sort of this pure free safety. Um, but they believe he can play both safety spots and nickel. Um, so they have options. You know, Rayshon Jenkins is another guy who's been their free safety, you know, for the past year and, and really excelled there last season. They could move him over to strong safety. He can also play nickel and dime and sub packages. Um, so they have a lot of these moving pieces and versatile pieces. Um, and they didn't really want to have to test that out you know, because obviously they want Derwin on the field, but now we're going to sort of see, you know, how versatile these guys really are. You can talk about how many positions they can play, but at what level can they play them at? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm sort of interested to see how the defense looks without Derwin James. It's obviously not going to be the same unit, but, you know, if this team is going to be, you know, around 500 and potentially pushing for a playoff spot, the secondary is going to have to step up. You know, Nasir Adderley in particular is going to have to step up. He missed pretty much all of last season with a hamstring injury. So, uh, you know, that's really what I'm going to be looking for primarily on Sunday. And that's what Joe Burrow is going to be looking at as well. Um, hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk, Daniel. Some really good stuff here. Um, on, on Twitter, if Bengal fans want to follow him and see what's going on with the Chargers leading up to game day, he's at Daniel R. Popper. And, uh, Daniel, thanks again for taking some time to join us. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right, great to hear from Daniel Popper. Um, I appreciate it as always. Now, Jay. Are we going back like we were last year where uh, whoever gets closer in the Bengals growler bet gets to decide if they want to do the interview or not uh, for the next week? Uh, yeah, that sounds like I mean, either that or we buy each other a growler every week. Oh, <laughs> look, I'm I'm already drinking too much. I don't All need right. to have like growlers just show up magically because I just can't stop winning uh, in the <laughs> look. I still have Girl Scout cookies that. Trent, you bought from Trent in pre-pandemic in my in my house, sitting here unopened. That's how good we are at getting stuff to each other right now because we never get to see each other anymore. So uh, you should just let May and Rose eat those. Don't say this. We, <laughs> I have enough trouble with Oreos. I don't need I don't need to start uh, an addiction to Girl Scout cookies as it is around my house. Okay. Uh, we, no, they're they're for you, and I'm going to bring them Sunday. They're going to be opening day cookies, even though they were supposed to be combine cookies. That's perfect. I was just asking Bengals PR if we can bring a cooler to the game and have our own little snacks and stuff <laughs> like that, and I was told that's probably not a good idea. So that that's good. We'll 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 have snacks for for after the game. That comment is making Hamilton proud, Jay. I can tell you that much. I didn't say beer in the are cooler. You I just said your, a cooler. Are you going to bring your big oversized boom box? Oh, I should. <laughs> <laughs> just treat it like a beach party. Oh. All right. Well, uh, I do want to remind everybody, again, I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, we have the $1 uh, sub- subscription thing, $1 a month going right now uh, in honor of our uh, $1 million. Uh, crossing the 1 million subscriber number, which is just awesome. Uh, so if you get a chance to do that, you can go to any of our stories that are up there and you'll, you'll see the link to subscribe for a dollar right now, a dollar a month. Can't beat it. Best deal we've ever done. So highly recommend it. You can, my story should be up as you listen to this. Um, I sort of canvassed the staff and 
coaches and media and players about who they think is going to take a leap this year. You know, so kind of throwing rookies out a little bit and just looking at the rest of the roster. A lot of interesting responses uh, from those inside of of who they think it's going to be. A couple stood out to me. One, Michael Jordan was the name that most, that I heard most, and including from Zach Taylor, saying he just really looks like he is prime to to really take a big step. And I mean, everybody, I, I, I heard his, I must've heard his name four or five times. Um, he was, the, he was the one that everybody's really focused on that. They really think he's going to be pretty fantastic this year. Um, Sam Hubbard, well, Bobby Hart mentioned Sam Hubbard, who he's been going up against a lot. I've heard, I heard his name mentioned a couple times. I wrote in TWIB a week or two ago about, the idea of the third year jump, you know, we've seen Sam Hubbard did the one to two jump. How often do you see that off of guys as edge rushers that have take a one, two, three, a lot of times you see one, two, and that's kind of your ends up being a lot of your level. Um, there seems to be some belief that Hubbard might be having the third year jump. You know, what I loved, I mean, we've had a series of these confidentials out this week, which is uh, stuff that our, our whole staff has done canvassing the league talking to insiders, scouts, personnel, whoever, executives, about all the team's concerns, insight into players, whatever. I think we got like three or four pieces out uh, of that variety. And I love those. They're, they're really unvarnished, uh, true, unfiltered stuff. Sam Hubbard brought up in the latest one about someone, someone from another team just saying, I know the Bengals haven't been good the last couple of years, but go turn on the tape of Sam Hubbard. That dude is an ass kicker. He never stops out there. And I think, I think he has earned a lot of respect around the league. I think the guy, he said he could play on any team in this league. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of thought that he has another step in him because of a lot. There's just a lot of respect he has out there. Jay, you had a pick. Yeah, I considered Hubbard, but then I thought, okay, if we're talking leap, he would, he's been so good. He has to really go to a, a whole nother level to, to kind of go fall into that leap category. So I was looking for a guy that had substantial room to improve. And I, I went Jermaine Pratt just because it last year wasn't great. There was plenty of room to improve, but, but you saw what you wanted to see from a rookie, which was that, that trajectory of improvement throughout the year. Um, he, he was a, a part player. They got rid of Preston Brown. He moved into the starting role. And by the end of the year, he was making, you know, wow, splash kind of plays. Now, not consistently, but he was showing up from time to time. And I just think with that room to grow, the fact that he is still fairly new to the position after starting as a safety at North Carolina State, and then the the position coach change going from Tim Lukabu, who had never been an NFL coach before, to now Al Golden, who's been an NFL coach for a number of years, who's been a head coach in college at Miami and Temple. I just think that's that all the everything's aligned for Jermaine Pratt to to make that leap this year, and and the Bengals need it. They're going to give him every opportunity to do it. It's not like if he has a bad game or two, they're going to bench him because there's so many other questions at that position. So it just it, it feels like he's a guy that we we may not know exactly what he is as a player yet, but all the intangibles are in place for him to take that leap. Two names I heard a lot that I won't say they surprised me, but I you know they just ones that I didn't as much consider. But then I heard them multiple times. Jesse Bates who I think the whole staff believes there's another level in him. 
and, and and has feel like they started to see it at the second half of last year as he got more comfortable in this system. There's a lot of uh, excitement about what he can be. Um, and boy, do they need it, you know, to to really be sort of an uh, an intercepting ball hawking nightmare at the back of the uh, and running more single high with Von Bell um, up in the box more often. <clears throat> you know, makes a lot of sense that they would be counting on that. Any other name? John Ross heard his name a lot, including from AJ Green yesterday. Now, and he was talking about how he's just been talking a lot with John and feel like it's going to come. And a lot of people just said he has looked great. I wrote about, you know, his head being in the right space, uh, right when he came back from being home with his family and, you know, they're going to give the, I think, I think they have a better feel for how to use him this year. If that makes sense, I, I think they have a better feel for what he does great. And I, you know, we've talked about there, you know, maybe an Eifert like usage. Use him the way he does, you know, to use his skill set. And when he's not, get him out of there and let other guys do the other stuff. Don't try to make John Ross three down receiving star. Let him go out there and put him in spots to do what he does best. Let him run deep. Let him run quick open window red zone stuff. Let him use his speed. Let him run those crossing routes that he can he can you know leave people in the dust on. Don't get him out there trying to run your everyday second and seven out to the chains. That's not his strong suit. Um, you know, and I think they have a better handle for that, and he's looked great, and I think we're going to see them find a way to really get him to be efficient, and he hasn't been the opposite of that. His entire career is a big part of his issue. So that, that's kind of a, a little recap. There's much more about who the coaches and personnel and everybody really liked and thinks is going to take a leap this year. Uh, that is up, again, $1 uh, a month if you want to start subscribing uh, on the site. And so go check that out. Anyway, thanks, to everybody, for listening. We will be back with the walkout. The walkout is back uh, on Sunday. We'll have that after the game. I'll post up our, our reactions um, from Paul Brown Stadium, watching a Bengals game in person, meaningful. God bless America. I didn't know if we'd make it there. I'm happy that we are. Exciting times. Uh, it so might have to be a literal walkout. I'm not sure if we can go in the coach's booth this year and, and, and record yeah. the puck. I don't know if we're allowed at that in that part of the stadium. Yeah. We, we Unless may we're the to. last two remaining, we're not going to want to do a podcast with other writers stand, sitting around us trying to no, write yeah, their I think stories. Right. I, think, uh, I think walking out and being outside with our and so we can take our masks off and, uh, and be able to talk a little bit will be uh, the way to go. So, yeah, yeah, maybe you'll actually get us walking out a little bit more. So I look forward to that. And uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening to The Growler. Get in your Growler bets to us, and we will uh, we'll talk to you after the opener of the season on Sunday. Have a good one, everybody.